Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today we're extending the Chris Rock special, which V and I started on, was it Sunday night, V? Yeah, Sunday night. So on Sunday night, we started the special and we saw this bit, a pretty good special, um, but we saw this bit on um, selective outrage that we thought was really interesting. Uh, v, I feel like I feel like you've probably you've probably been in the depths of selective outrage with a lot of the a lot of the uh, experiences you've had in your life. Like what what made that like concept stand out to you? Well, I just think the times that that we're in now. Um, I think you look on social media and you look at you know just how people communicate. Everyone's kind of mad about similar things, but they're very selective in who and when they communicate that outrage, right? And I think um, the concept itself makes a lot of sense because I just think obviously people are inconsistent. People tend to ha- tend to be filled with inconsistencies, but just like the the hypocrisy of some of the things that he pointed out in terms of like you know being outraged when it's convenient for you. Um, or, or when there's an ad, it's advantageous for you to be selectively outraged uh, was a concept that I just thought was was powerful because I think anybody who's who's been in the world and has dealt with people a long time has has gotten the 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 brunt end of somebody's outrage whether it's toward them or toward a situation where they've said why are they so mad and why are they mad now versus for yeah. the number of times that this has happened before this, you know what I mean? And obviously he talked about the, the, the Will Smith situation and him getting slapped. And he brought up a situation where after Will Smith went on the red table talk, everybody was calling him a bitch. He was a loser. He's a bitch. He was a bitch. He can't believe he did that. Went on TV and talked about his wife's affair. And he was like, he, wasn't mad at anyone and didn't take it out on anyone, but he decided when I made a joke at the Grammys, I mean, at the Oscars to come slap me, that's an example of selective outrage. You, you chose me because you knew that you could slap me. You didn't choose 50 cent to go slap. You know what I mean? It's like he, he picked a, he picked the battle that he knew he could win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then um, I think that that's, that's a, I mean, that's such a great analysis too. You know, that's a, it's such a great way to like think about the way we take our traumas and we project them on others, right? And I think like it's a call out too that outrage in general is like it's because you didn't properly vent something. And in our day and age, I'm sure Will Smith is you know applauded in his circle as being super woke and super progressive for doing that, but. At the at his core, he's he's sitting there and he's just like 
emasculated as fuck. Yeah. And like this whole this whole idea of wokeness too, it's like you still gotta be authentic to who you are and blurring the lines between there there are actual biological differences um that go past go generations in terms of the differences and the things and how men and women process certain things and there are certain boundaries you don't cross with a woman in terms of how you how you handle a woman and there are certain boundaries you don't cross with a man and these are things that are not it's it's not about like the wokeness it's about what natural what's what are natural instincts for people what are the natural responses um a fight or flight for people and what are certain triggers that cause people like that whole thing was hilarious to me because it's such a a great example of one selective outrage and two like what you were saying earlier was the uh inability to process your own traumas and your own insecurities and then finding an external factor or an external outlet for those um that rage that probably has no reason to bear the brunt of that in this case chris rock getting slapped but every day it's happening on twitter whether it's you know he had mentioned like <laughs> He had mentioned uh, another example he had mentioned was Meghan Markle. Like also, it's like um, you knew what you were signing up for. If you you decided to marry into the British royal family, who are like the inventors of colonialism, you don't think that there's racism involved there. And then also the whole colorism argument and how that crosses all lines. You know, it's not specifically racist because they're wondering what yeah. color or what what shade of the the kid is going to be that happens across cultures and she's using that and leveraging that you know we anybody who follows our podcast knows how i feel about Meghan markle and and prince prince whatever his name is i can't even think of his name right now uh, <laughs> but and and how we both generally sp- i'm so glad though that well, I was, I was just going to say, I'm just so glad that he was able to call out the fact that a lot of the conflict that Meghan Markle, you know, talked about was just like what happens with in-laws and family, right? And it's like, I think it's an important point because we as a society have been so concerned with like essentially like this victimization, empathizing for victims, caring for victims, that they're also kind of, I think as a society is it's this paradigm where it's almost like you can't really call somebody out for, you know, the, for embellishing on something that they don't need to embellish Mm -hmm. on. Right. And like a lot of people love to get in the center of attention, get all that drama around them, act like everybody is out to get them. And it's an easy mentality to fall into. It's something I think everybody struggles with at some point in their life or many times in their lives. But I like that he called out that, yo, like your problems are problems everybody has. Like, what are you out here taking, you know, blaming the race card and stuff for? And it's like, it's like the boy who cried wolf. If everything's racist, then nothing's racist at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. I mean, he he brought up a lot. I mean, obviously, (laughs) Chris Rock does it in a very shock and awe form. But I think when you look at what he was saying overall, 
the conversation was a very important one. I think you're you're right, like knowing how to differentiate the two and also accepting certain realities of the world for what they are and knowing that you have to adjust accordingly. You're not going to change uh, the royal family or the, the history of, of racism of colonial Britain because you're marrying into a family. That's really like very narcissistic, one, to believe, and two, very unrealistic to believe, right? And I think, you know, he brought up other examples, and one of the very interesting ones, and you know this one's a bit controversial about how women have all the, really have all the power, and one of the examples he brought up is a neighborhood in which, if you go to any neighborhood in America in which the women are going to gyms, going to Pilates, you know, walking their dogs in the neighborhood, that's a relatively safe, that's always going to be a safe neighborhood. Now, if you go to a neighborhood which the men aren't working and the men are just, you know, doing random stuff, not working, not going to work, that's probably an unsafe neighborhood, you know? Um, And I just thought that that was a very interesting example of, of him saying, like, even this whole women empowerment movement i i understand women have been very marginalized but they do also hold a lot of power in society in today's society which they can wield right um and i think it was a it was a it was a very smart conversation i think it's an interesting conversation to have of this when are we going to end this conversation of of men versus women and just starting to accept okay well there's there there's value and power that women have and there's power that men have um but this whole concept that men have all this power um that women don't i think is something that he he attacked very intelligently yeah yeah i agree with you and it's like a little bit out of andrew tate's playbook in the sense that he he also speaks on the nurturing role that women serve which men can't serve and there's differences between us because we have different purposes as well, right? And in, in in this era of changing genders, the only reason to change a gender, you know, and you know, maybe this is maybe it's a controversial view, but from a psychological perspective, the only reason you would want to change your gender is because you believe the other gender and the experience of living in that other gender is better than your experience. Like, I can't see another logical reason to change your gender, right? So if that's the foundation of your premise, then you're just unhappy. You don't actually want to change genders. You don't actually want something different. You just don't want what you have. And you're taking the only other option that you know is there. So in effect, like even this whole conversation about there's more than one gender is actually a flawed conversation because both sides believe that there's two genders. That's why they're changing. You know what I mean? And like, if there's really, truly a million genders, then tell me the characteristics of the other genders, right? And I think that's that's where a lot of this modern um, modern thought around gender fluidity breaks down is that if you bring in the question of happiness, the the reason that you know trans deaths are so high is, and there's so many of them are suicides, is because these people were already incredibly depressed before they even chose to change genders. You can't say, "Oh, it was a car accident that killed killed the incredibly heavyweight person who was about to die from a heart attack." You know what I'm saying? Like 
And that's that's what we're doing in our societies. We're saying, oh, the way we talk to people is what's killing all of these people. And we're missing the fact that they're just really unhappy because they haven't found how to channel their essence into their vessel. And I think like when you have these conversations about trying to make everybody the same, you lose the beauty and uniqueness that we're born with. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and then also one other thing on the gender fluidity conversation is this is it's like you can't force people to not be uncomfortable with something that one is fairly a fairly new phenomenon. And you look at the thousands of years of human history. Yeah, we had we had people whose sexuality was transient. You might have had some some people who dressed as the opposite sex, but the idea of someone transitioning from one sex to the other is not something that has intuitively been accepted by the human mind yet. And I'm just saying this from a strictly logical standpoint. I'm not saying what should or shouldn't be, but you have to understand that not everyone is going to accept it. And that's part of the process. You can't force people to accept anything, just like you can't force someone not to be racist. You can't force someone not to be sexist, right? You can create an environment in which you can do whatever you want, but you can't dictate how people think or what they say or what they believe. And I think that that's kind of this whole like selective outrage thing is, is that's what underlies it in the whole wokeness conversation is it's like, there's this idea that by canceling someone that we're solving a problem or by, by, by shutting something down. And one of my favorite examples was what he said about uh, Lululemon on the door of every one of their, uh, their stores. It says, um, you know, we're not racist. We're not sexist. He's like, wait, I'm buying yoga pants here. Right. Like, if somebody were to tell me that instead of paying $100 for Lululemon yoga pants, I could pay $20 and they were racist yoga pants, I'd probably buy them. Obviously, it's an extreme example, but, the, but basically the point that he's making is also the way that brands and people are leveraging this idea of, of wokeness to essentially exploit the marketplace, right? Like, what does that have to do with what your product actually does and, and how it's created? You're doing that because you're, try- you're using it to justify something to a certain consumer to justify them paying your exorbitantly high pro- prices for products. On top of leveraging wokeness, I think, and leveraging just like people's situations, I think like there's also a lack of trying to solve problems in simple ways in like today's day and age. And I think it like leads to a victimization complex, but it's almost like people are racing so much to be victimized. Like they don't take simple solutions that are placed in front of them for these types of problems. And it's like the example you're making with, with Lulu is an interesting one because it's like to, in, in Chris Rock special, when they, when he was reading the sign um, that they have in front of their stores, they're saying like, we're not racist or whatever. We're not racist. We, we don't do any of these bad things. It's like, I didn't think you did. So now that you've said that I'm concerned, right? Like, why do you need, it's like someone saying, Oh, don't worry. Like, you know, I won't steal from you. It's like, well, shit, I never thought you were going to, but now I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the funny thing about it, right? Is it's like, 
if you aren't those things, you know, there's this kind of idea identity thing that's happening now where you have to defend yourself or you are constantly pointing out things um, that you think represent something negative. And like what, what, I, what I see it is, is it's, it's not even a zero sum game. I feel like it's a negative sum game because the biggest thing that I've learned about society and people is the only thing you can dictate and control is your environment. The people you decide to interact with the people you decide to have conversations with, the, the, the people who you allow into your world, um, you know, to, to operate and, and share energy with, this idea is it's not even fruitful to be out here on Twitter raging to a whole bunch of random people. It's, it's, it's only creating a negative loop for yourself because there's no solution in that, in my opinion. Right. Like I understand sometimes people just need to let it out yeah. and that's a good platform to let it out. But sometimes the consequences of letting it out are one, you're, you're doing it on a public platform. You're operating from a place of rage. So you're not in control of your emotions. And then the people who are responding to you oftentimes are going to needle that you're not going to find a solution. You know what I mean? Like that's not a place to have the conversation that leads to results. It's just a whole bunch of people just raging and expressing their, their frustrations with their own lives. Like you said earlier, and it's like, okay, part of that is human nature and that's how we've always been. But what becomes frustrating is that it is very selective. You know, I mean, it is very, um, we choose based on our personal biases and our cognitive biases, you know, and um, if we like something already, um, we're going to have trouble accepting um, that there might be something wrong with it that, that society frowns upon. If it's something that we you already dislike, it's going to be much easier for us when the opportunity arises for us to jump on that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of like what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, is this idea that we, this whole wokeness thing and this whole outrage thing, the problem with it is the inconsistency in it, right? It's not the, the phrase selective outrage is, is perfect because the inconsistency leads to a lack of progress and product productivity and it makes you question what the purpose of it is. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really well said and I think anytime something is selective, I think it implies that um there's actually nothing there to be upset about, right? Like so I I think in general in life there's nothing to be upset about, but if we're going to focus on this concept of selective outrage like if you're being selective about your outrage, then that means there's also times where you're not outraged. And I think the the better question to ask is not like, to your point, like, what, why am I upset about this? Why is it not fair? How can I, you know, blow this up, get a bunch of people angry about it? But it's really like, okay, well, if I'm outraged, that that, that means this thing has power over me. And how can I get my power back from that thing? I think is is the question that, you know, folks, some folks are starting to ask, but I would love, I would love to see, you know, and this is not, this is not an anti, you know, woke 
perspective that I'm trying to state. And I just, I really want to make that clear, but like, I would love to see somebody who is out here trying to say, you know, I need to change genders. I need to do this. I would love to see that person first try having a healthy diet, not using this social media as much, having a healthy mental state, eating good quality food, and potentially switching to veganism. I would like to see people try the things that we already know make you happier before they have permanent life-changing surgeries to do that. And I think that would make people a lot happier. And maybe there's still some people who need to change, and that's fine. But at least like be happy before you change, right? Like why change when you're angry at the world? Yeah, it's uh it's it's an interesting it's a very interesting thought and I think you know, it's it's reflective and you know what's so funny about even this conversation as a whole, is you could tell um that just his response to it that Chris is very angry uh himself because of what he's sees and is dealing with as a result of this selective outrage right like it's actually causing harm to people who just want to live their lives right and it's causing them sort of mental anguish for those folks and like you said it's not an anti-wokeness thing it's a matter of knowing time and place for conversations there's nothing wrong with having an intellectual debate or a philosophical or even a, a a passionate debate about some of these issues but it's what is what is the angle by which we're having this conversation? The Lululemon example is great. Meghan Markle example is great. The Will Smith example is great, where people choose to use wokeness as a weapon to make themselves a victim. And you know, it's the first lesson of 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 any psychological counseling is to not make yourself a victim and not to have a victim mentality or if you have it if you are an actual victim how to grow past that right like if you're if you're a victim of rape or you're a victim of a crime um you have to deal with the actual victimhood right but if words you know words are different Right. Like there's a difference to me in terms of I feel like now people are using words to 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 kind of equate them almost with physical like the effects of a physical violent act. Right. Like there's damages like Meghan Markle is sitting here acting like she's the biggest victim in the world when she married into tax free billions. You know, I mean, like it's it's you knew. And you have a responsibility to know what you're signing up for. And if you're really taking that stand and you have all these concerns, then you shouldn't have married the guy. It's as simple as that. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't choose afterwards. You chose to marry him, so you chose the consequences of what that comes with. You know that the tabloids, you like, they literally killed Princess Diana. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to essentially take it and then also then utilizing the platforms that you're scorning right like leveraging it to create these netflix specials where you get paid 10 million dollars to draw even more attention 
more gossip blogs to yourself. It's like this weird societal norm that we accept, which is all attention is good attention. And it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you know how to leverage. You know, the Kardashians are a great example of this as well. It's like, it's about what you leverage and how you leverage it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's very true. You know, and I think like one of the, one of the call outs, um, you know, I wanted to make around a couple of these examples is like, number one, you, you called it out on Meghan Markle with the wealth. Um, but there's also like, they made a ton of money off of airing all this stuff. Right. So it's like that the true victims, the Royal family in that situation. And I think that's important to call out. And then the same thing with the Will Smith scenario, your personal intimate affairs are, are meant to stay personal. Like it's foolish to try and air that out publicly. And he got karma for doing that because he aired it out because he wanted attention. There's no other reason to put that stuff into the world. You could say you're trying to help people, but the reality is you want the validation so that you feel better about this thing that happened to you. And he didn't get it and it made him feel worse. And, you know, hopefully he learned a valuable lesson from that. But then on top of all of this, bro, for a year before this slap, Everybody and their sister in LA was advertising how close they were to the Smith family. They were flexing it. They were showing it off. You have Jay Shetty here doing seven interviews or whatever, like a couple interviews with Will Smith on his podcast, talking about how they meet every day for like three hours and do Gita study and they're doing meditation together and spiritual review. Bro, spare me the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody wants to be attached to somebody while they're good. Where the fuck is Jay Shetty right now? You know what I mean? Where is everyone who said that they were riding with Will Smith? Yeah. And you know, I think that's part of where Chris Rock's rage in this whole scenario comes in. As he said, when he was going through that, he actually tried to reach out and extend condolences and he didn't get a response because he saw it for what it was. And I think this is, like he said, this is a clear reflection and you know if i piss off some 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 women as a result of this i'm gonna piss them off but what jada pinkett did in this situation was very emasculating very disrespectful to will smith and he's had to process that like i'm not even even that mad at him for the slap you know i don't think i think it does come from a place of being in a very yeah of being in a toxic relationship in which you are being used disrespected consistently and publicly like this isn't like if you're a man like this isn't okay to have to deal with these things your wife gets you puts you on a talk show where she talks about how she cheated on you with your son's friend like there's so much like trauma going on there that eventually and it was bottled up all this, even all the spirituality stuff, and I say this all the time, that a lot of times the people who really, really out of nowhere start tapping into spirituality and it isn't kind of a part of their life, it's because they're trying to either stifle something or escape something that they haven't processed that they're trying to solve through spirituality. And the truth is you have to foundationally be self-aware to actually be able to for spirituality and to tap into that or to be effective um and i think that's what happens here they mask it with all these things like i'm i'm sitting with jay shetty i'm doing all this meditation i'm 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 exuding positivity but in the in the back of your head 
you're dealing with all of these triggers that really make you mad, you know, naturally as a human being. And it doesn't matter how much self-work you do if you don't remove the triggers of that effect. We're all human beings. There's things that are going to upset us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, like, for me, like, it's it's just, like, it's tough to see all these people that profited off of his name just drop him when he goes through that stuff. And, you know, maybe people haven't dropped him behind the scenes, right? But at the end of the day, like, that public support is what somebody like that needs. And, you know, Jada's support does not come across authentic. Like, the way that she commented after the situation, to your point, like, that is not a partner. That is somebody who is trying to knock you down. And I think, you know, from anyone who's seen this scenario, I think it's it's quite obvious that the dynamic there isn't serving both partners, right? And I think it would be nice if we could have a public conversation about stuff like that instead of just, you know, we're going to all shit on Will Smith. It's like the same stuff with Jaw. So Jaw did this intervention last week where he went down to Florida and you know what what is the cause of his behavior there's some unrest there's some sort of deep internal desire to prove something that prove he's not something right or prove he is something he's not and i saw basically that they what they taught him is meditation which is the only cure for being a dumbass like that's the reality you know and then I'm watching media the last couple of days shit on this saying, oh, it looks like they're going through the motions. I'm sorry. What else are we going to do for a 24-year-old who just needs to calm down a little bit and understand how great their life is? Not only that, but like while he's in the process of trying to change and help, the big story last week was they found his old 13-year-old, 13, 13 you know, Instagram account where he was posted, like the kid was 13 years old. Clearly, he has issues, but now they're bringing all of that to light, almost clowning it, you know, and turning it into a meme. And it's just like, okay, on one hand, you're 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 calling him out, but then on the other hand, you're you're basically adding flames, you know, adding fuel to the flames by by calling him out for something he did when he was a 13 year old. You know, what I mean, it's like. And, you know, tell me, tell me a 13 year old who kid in our generation who has not been adversely influenced by some lyrics that they heard in a song, you know what I mean? Like, and posted something, quoted some lyrics that they shouldn't have posted, you know, it's actually, you know, teenage minds are like the most easily influenced and we create all this media and all these stimuli to essentially deteriorate and destruct the human mind in our society if you turn on tv it's violence violence sex and you turn on social media what is it violence sex you go to the internet what is it porn is the number one thing that 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 is consumed and then on top of that violence violence again you know that's why jake paul is is as famous as he is because people and is making as much money because people really just want to see this guy get his ass beat you know what i mean it's like it's 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 crazy that on one hand we want everyone to be the best version or better version of themselves but what we promote and push is the exact opposite how do we think that we're going to be able to 
solve problems that way. It's, it's, it's the funniest conversation to me why selective outrage makes so much sense is nobody really gives a shit. If they did, we wouldn't be in the world that we're in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think you know, you've, you've brought up a great point in terms of what people consume. And I think that there's a lot, a lot of questions that stem from that. But, you know, really just to kind of wrap up the selective outrage topic, I think the biggest, the biggest thing that, you know, anyone can do for themselves is ask the question the next time you're upset about something. Like, why am I upset about this? You know, and I, I think that the gold standard is that nothing should upset you. I don't believe that life uh, should upset you. I think it's a mental choice when you get upset. And it, it's like asking the questions of yourself, like, why am I upset? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really mastering your emotions is, is a big part of it. And I think understanding as a human being that we all have certain cognitive biases you know what I mean? That um, that we have to accept and understand even when we're saying that we're right. It's, it's, it's actually much better to go through the exercise of accepting that you might be wrong than trying to prove that you're right, right? Because that gives you a perspective um, that allows you to do some of that work to create the emotional balance that's required to not react. Because reactions are really based on a lack of emotional control, right? Like calmness is mastery, but that takes a lot of work. And I guess the the way I would conclude this is that that's the best solution is to do the work for you not to be angry anymore, whereas continuing to double down and figuring out every opportunity to express that anger consistently and always it's clearly a more effective choice but some people need to go through the emotional um work first of accepting that if you can't accept that then this is it's, you're not going to make the changes and there's no point in being mad at everyone else if you're not fixing yourself well said bro well said and on that note um you know we want to remind you as always to stay moving and be you you as fly Boys, we get on the